Welcome to episode 14. Today we've got two cowardly canine catastrophes with 1987's Scooby-Doo Meets the Boo Brothers and 2019's Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island. So don't go unmasking that zombie because... You hear the beating of your heart, you know the screaming's gonna start. And here comes the really scary part. <laughs> Oh, wow, I guess I got kind of overwhelmed there because it's time, not terror time, but it's time for Frightful Failures! a little short. I am not feeling so well. What's the matter? What's 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 the problem? Oh, they, they installed a 5G tower outside my house, and I think I got the Rona now. Oh, no. The 5G? Did the radiation make your testicles grow testicles? Yeah, and as far as I'm aware, the symptoms of the virus are just giant warts around your shaft, right? I have not heard that as a thing related to oh. 5G poisoning. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe, maybe I have something else. Okay, I, I should go look into that. Yeah, I'm going to get on Mayo Clinic if you want to start the show. Yeah, that sounds just fine. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to... Oh, God, just... Ugh. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Frightful Failures. I am your ghost host with the most, Zach Romero. Joining me for the time being is your ghost host with the most, Tien Gagnol. And Tien, we have uh, some... We're, we're charting new waters once again. We are doing mm. our regular comparison piece. We'll be looking at two films. We'll be fixing two films. We'll be comparing two films. But we're in the world of animation. Mm. Yes, yes, indeed. You guys thought that last episode meant a return to form? No, no, no. No, The ultimate no. return to form is to not return to form at all. That is Precisely. us. Precisely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, like Inception. It's like just there's mul it's layers upon layers. All right. Yes. So we're going to be starting here with Scooby Doo and the Boo Brothers, released in 1987 as a made-for-TV film, the actual first full-length Scooby Doo film in the show's history. Now, the brief synopsis is uh, super sleuth extraordinaire Shaggy Rogers, along with his dog Scooby and Scrappy receive a letter mysteriously in the mail that he has inherited a mansion, a huge estate from his uh, elderly, very Southern uncle. And so Shaggy, Scooby, and Scrappy go and visit the Beauregard Mansion, which is allegedly haunted, allegedly has a family jewel-themed treasure hidden somewhere in it, has about a dozen characters, and even more ghosts. And the the race against time is, can Shaggy, Scooby, and Scrappy solve the mystery, find the treasure, and escape with their lives, and can they do it with the help of Three Stooges-themed ghost? And that's Scooby-Doo and the Boo Brothers. Now, before we even begin, before we even get into the discussion, Tian, I want to ask you honestly, prior to this research... If someone had come up to you and asked if you liked or cared or watched Scooby-Doo as a kid, what would your answer? What would your answer have been? 
Um, prior to this, I would have said yes, that I definitely respected Scooby-Doo a lot. Um, that as a kid who always would be drawing skeletons months out from Halloween, liked the spooky stuff, but, you know, wasn't ready to, like, you know, get my asshole opened up by Steven Spielberg's Jaws yet. Uh, I definitely enjoy Scooby-Doo. Yeah, absolutely. I would consider myself a very big Scooby-Doo fan. Um, watched it a ton as a kid. Uh, loved even the spinoffs. Like, I loved uh, Pup Named Scooby-Doo. And the Scooby-Doo movies and all that. Um, very, very big fan of, of Scooby-Doo. That being said, this movie, not so fun. So, like I said, this film was released in 1987. The original run of Scooby-Doo was from 1969 to 1976. So we are about a decade since the original run. And so... At this late stage in the game, I guess Hanna-Barbera thought like, well, kids really only just like Shaggy and Scooby. Like, they don't really care about Fred and Daphne and Velma. So, we'll just make the show about them. However, the issue you run into is that the first, like, 15 to 17 minutes of this movie, the movie is bending over backwards to justify Shaggy and Scooby being in the situation that they're in. Because on paper, it's like, well, how do we get Shaggy and Scooby to come to a haunted house? Well, they wouldn't do that. Okay, Shaggy's inherited a fortune, so he has to go. Okay. Well, once they get there and they find out that it's haunted, why would they stick around? Because Velma, Fred, and Daphne aren't there to talk about a mystery, so why would they stick around? Uh, their car is gone. They can't, go, they can't leave. Okay, great. Like, there's just a lot of... How do we uh, how do we include this Boo Brothers idea? I don't know. They call them on the phone, and then they're there for the rest of the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's uh, it's a very odd mishmash of ideas that were probably put up on a big board, and they were meant to circle a few of them and say, okay, this is the movie we're making. Um, and instead, they're just like, well, yeah, we want it to be like very slapstick Three Stooges. But also, let's have it be like a genuine mystery with a lot of clues. But also, it's just like a Scooby and Shaggy buddy movie. And it's it's fascinating to me. So, uh, the, the little bit of research I did about this is that uh, this movie was part of what was known as Hanna-Barbera's Superstar 10. Okay. Which was that in the mid to late 80s, they decided they were going to make 10 movies... Um, direct-to-TV movies starring some of their biggest properties. So it was like, I think, three Scooby-Doo movies, three Yogi Bear movies, a couple Jetsons movies, I think like a fucking Huckleberry Hound or some shit movie. So uh, this was, uh, if not the first one, maybe like the second or something. Okay. Um, because I think Reluctant Werewolf was also considered to be in the Superstar 10. That was another one of the Scooby-Doo movies. Which I actually like Reluctant Werewolf a lot. Mm. Um, I did not like this one. So my question to you is, so first of all, you've given a much better explanation as to like the problems of this film than I, than I would have described because this movie made me feel very, very old in terms of I'm watching it and I'm going, so this is just noise and color for children then. Like there's no, there's no real meaning. There's no real purpose to it. It's just noise. There's so many characters in this. There's everyone. There's a constant gunfire, gunshots happening. The they the 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 movie gets bored with ghosts and decides that animals are more interesting. It, it okay. So hold on. Let's back up. 
Let's back up. Let's, Let's start at the at the top. Okay. So so the movie opens with a witch's rap. Right. Which is and it's the rhymes. same witch from uh the Looney Tunes. It's it's uh it's Witch Hazel, the the witch who like I see went with Bugs Bunny and, and shit. She's got some dope rhymes. Like that song <laughs> that song <laughs> That's that a real Bobski. Yeah. <laughs> that song slaps. I was like, is this Iggy Azalea? Oh my God. Uh, you know, it's open it up and there's a modern reference for you. <laughs> it's uh, open up. Ghost and goose and, and hooby doo. Boom, boom, bop, a deep, a doo. Yeah, basically. I was, I was into it for sure. <laughs> I stand up and it's ghost and goose. I mean, and then it only went downhill from there. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Shaggy gets this letter. You've inherited this fortune. Come to this address. Okay. They go. Oh, it turns out that his uncle, who's not named Rogers, is named Beauregard, um, had this longstanding feud. Well, no. As they're going towards the mansion, there's a headless horseman that chases them. Yeah, it just starts hitting buggy. like all the all the mega hits like on the way. The movie hasn't even started yet. Shaggy and Scooby blast out of their garage door without even waiting for it to open. And then they, they've got the Headless Horseman. There's an old Confederate ghost. Like, there's... A gorilla. Uh, King Kong, you know? Like, it's it's just, like, back to... Like, it's like the, 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 the car ride to the mansion is a trailer for the movie. Yeah, basically. Except the Headless Horseman never really, really appears yeah. again. Yeah. So they get there. The Beauregards have had some kind of long-standing feud with a neighboring house, as you do. And which can I just say this? Really wild to me, the amount of dunking a cartoon could do on Southerners in the late eighties. Like, <laughs> there's a lot of jokes that are basically just like, look at this redneck here. This is a little cousin touching country bumpkin look at what is he doing like there were so many jokes in this movie that are just built on that so the the bull regards have feuded with this other family there's like a, a blonde daisy duke chick who immediately just wants to fuck shaggy uh and shaggy and shaggy's not down for it and i couldn't i couldn't figure out why i'm like <laughs> What seems to be the Shaggy, problem? I think, Shaggy, I think this would be a nice reprieve from all of the horror you're having to experience. Yeah, like she's like, she comes over, they're playing, the fucking the Boo, Boo Brothers are there, they're playing music. She comes over, she wants something stupid, and then she's like, yo, having a party? And Scrappy's like, yeah, sure, can you suck my man's dick real quick? <laughs> He's not doing so great. And she's like, hell Yeah. He's not related to me. What a change of pace. Now you would say, listen to this, Zach, that's really off color. No, no, that's not even me. That's the movie. Like the movie's like, Cletus is like, oh, damn it. What, Sh Sheila, damn you. What are you doing? Wanting to fuck Shaggy? We'll get to hell back here and get on me instead. And she's like, no, I'm damn it. No, I'm going to do that. I don't know. It's weird. But Shaggy's like, no, thank you. I do not want this. No, thank you. And I'm like, do they give a reason? No, it's just. Mm -mm. Uh, Scrappy spits way more game than Shaggy. No ever kidding. Could. Shaggy's like, hell yeah. <laughs> Again, the quote from Hanna Barbera. Hanna Barbera wrote it themselves. Hey, could you suck my man's dick real quick? That they wrote that. 
They wrote that. They did, yeah. No, they absolutely did. So here, here's something, uh, and not to get too ahead of ourselves here, but does this to you feel like a cartoon that came out in the late 80s? Because to me, it doesn't. To me, this feels like they made this in the 70s and then they like forgot about it and they took it out and like blew the dust off it. Like, oh my God, like we forgot that we made the Boo Brothers and they th- like... Now, the Three Stooges were not relevant anymore in the late so wait, 80s. So you're saying, you're what tipped you off? Was it the fact that uh, <laughs> nothing of interest happens and they, had, they hadn't invented fun yet? Or yes. was it the fact that the main draw of the film is, boy oh boy, the comedy powerhouse from the goddamn 40s, the Three Stooges, were ripping them off for this film Tickets are already sold out. <laughs> like, what are the kids like nowadays? HR Puff and stuff. Kids like Johnny them. Quest, the Super Friends. Nah, 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 nah. The Three Stooges, Larry, Curly, and Mo, and we couldn't even get a good Curly. It's just like kind of a weird, effeminate, kind of sad ghost with a pink hat, who because we couldn't find somebody to do a Curly impression. <laughs> That's very fair. No, but like, truly, I mean, think about it. The other cartoons, the other, like, straight-to-TV or straight-to-video movies that were coming out in the late 80s were much more drawn upon inspirations of, like, the hard-hitting sci-fi and big fantasy flicks that were coming out in the mid-to-late-80s. Yeah. Literally, Daffy Duck's Quackbusters came out the following year after this movie. Which is a classic. You would look at these two next to each other, and you would think they came out 15 years apart. That's true. Legitimately. That's true. Plus, what? Hee Haw would have been big in the 70s. So, like, that would explain the weird, like, country bumpkin angle. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Or maybe, maybe it's not that they made it and forgot about it. Maybe because it was a movie, it took them a lot longer. Or maybe they were out of practice because the show wasn't running anymore. It took them 20 years? I don't know, but it's one of those cases where, like, it it doesn't feel of its time. Um, I have another question. How come, and I know that you're a ghost historian, so you probably have a good answer for this. How come, um, How and this is going to be such a deep, deep cut that, like, no one who could vaguely recall the Boo Brothers is going to... How come when we first met the Boo Brothers and then they, they wanted to show an example to Shaggy that they could catch ghosts. So they let out a little, a little creature ghost and then silly creature. And then, and then the curly ghost shoved his head up the Larry ghost's ass for no reason. Why did they do that? Well, (laughs) Shriko. Yes. Um, uh, the Larry ghost. Yes. Uh, it seems to be a recurring theme for him throughout the movie that he gets deep, deep, deep sexual satisfaction from things piercing his ethereal form. Yes. Anytime Shaggy or Scooby like runs through him, he goes, Aah! and it's ecstasy on his face. Apparently. Truly. It's disturbing, uh, to say the least. Now, to those listening at home, you may be thinking, ho ho, what a funny thing that Zach has said. No, that really happens. The ghost is like, oh, we got to catch this little creature. Whoa! And he sticks his head through the other one's ass. And I don't know why. I paused it there for 10 minutes. I was like, why? Why did they do that? 
Also, here's another question. What is the point of including the Boo Brothers in this movie? What do they do exactly? Uh, they're a distra- I mean, they're uh, a reprieve, maybe? They, they are... Uh, they are not everyone is turned against Scooby and Shaggy. It is not Scooby and Shaggy against the world within this haunted mansion. Maybe, or I I guess maybe supposed to be comedic relief, but they're not funny. It's no, it's not funny. But like when they call them up, like, oh man, we're in this house. Shaggy owns it. There's a weird googly eyed butler who very clearly is like, I want you out because I should be getting the fortune instead. Yeah. And then they're like, well, these ghosts are fucking around, so let's call the ghost exterminators the Boo Brothers, and they'll help us out. And then they don't. They just sort of fart around. Yeah. And there's a scene where they call a lot of other ghosts to have a party for a moment. And then Shaggy says, I don't like that, please leave. And then they leave. There's no purpose to the Boo Brothers being in this thing for sharing the marquee with Scooby-Doo. Yeah. That's the most mind-blowing part of all of it. If if they were an aspect of this movie and this was called Scooby-Doo and the Curse of the Haunted Mansion, Scooby-Doo and the Mystery of the Hidden Jewels or whatever, right. like uh, something else. Scooby-Doo um, and Can You Suck My Man's Dick for Him Real Quick. <laughs> Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, I'm Trying to Get Your Dick Wet. Stop being such a prude. <laughs> and Scooby-Doo and Shaggy, we've all been questioning you for years. Come on now. This is your opportunity. Right. Put the rumors to rest. <laughs> so, um, I'm actually shocked that when the Boo Brothers came out and, uh, and when they were asked for a demonstration that instead of letting out the little adorable character, that in, instead they didn't go like, well, it's in Juilliard. Yeah. I traveled quite extensively, lived through the Black Plague, through coronavirus, had a pretty good time. Okay, don't, he didn't say that. He did. That's in the Blu-ray. He said it in the musical. <laughs> <laughs> what if he did? What if in the in the Broadway, off-Broadway production of Beetlejuice, he was like, oh, I lived through coronavirus, and everyone's just like, boo! <laughs> and he's like, oh, is there a ghost in here? Um. <laughs> Anywho, uh, how come they pushed animals instead of ghosts in this movie there's an entire <laughs> subplot about an ape that has just escaped from a circus off screen and is also just sort of fucking about well it's supposed to be a mystery to solve. i feel like this is like a very horny movie like that gorilla wants to fuck too like that gorilla keeps like reaching down and like feeling up scooby yeah. while they're in the hole together and uh, and scooby's like oh i'm getting felt up by shaggy this is correct this is I'm how used this to this. is supposed to be <laughs> this isn't a big gorilla this is shaggy molesting me right now which is what i'm used to which is par for the course oh wait a minute it's a big gorilla i'm not okay with this mm. also there's um, a giant stuffed animal gorilla also they tried to push that the gorilla was a ghost in the beginning even though it was clearly just a gorilla mm. sadie may strawkins the name of the hot cousin did you <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and eat that isolated forever. Thank you very much. Did you rule 34 her? I thought about it. I thought about it. I was like, hey, if Shaggy's not going to be into this, then I'm not going to fucking turn it down. 
Shaggy, <laughs> more for me. Right, exactly. You lost your, you lose your seat and fucking beat my meat. Okay, there it is. <laughs> there it is. Perfect. No, she was your typical uh, like she's supposed to be um, <clears throat> either Daisy Duke or the. She was kind of more of the um, the daughter from the Beverly Hillbillies because she was like super yeah. strong. Um, I would but she was cute, her. and then her cousin, brother, whatever the fuck, who's just constantly shooting and shooting at a sheriff, like, and it's just yeah. like, oh, and dang the sheriff's it. like, you, you shoot at me one more. If you pop one more of my tires with an errant shotgun blast, y- you are gonna get a talking to. I promise. So let's talk about the actual quote unquote mystery of this film. Okay, it's just a scavenger hunt. Yes, that's all it is. Uh. Shaggy's dead uncle is like, fiddle-dee-dee, fiddle-dee-doo, there's a jewel out in the shed. And you're like, okay, well, that's great. (laughs) And so they just sort of, and the thing that boggled my mind is the film is moving so quickly to get to the crux of it, which is they're doing a scavenger hunt and more ghosts are mad at them that like, at no point, like Shaggy and Scooby and Scrappy commit so hard to the scavenger hunt thing for no reason. Like, it's like, okay, so the Boo brothers are real, meaning all of the years of mystery solving where we debunked paranormal activity has completely gotten thrown away because ghosts very much exist and they are very much in my house right now. But disregard that, we got jewels to find. Oh, hey, our lives are at, are routinely in danger, not limited to the psychopath next door who keeps shooting wildly. Yeah, but these jewels, though. Okay. Um, and then, spoiler alert, they get all the jewels at the end, and then they just brush it away? Yeah. Like, they, they even say several times during the movie, Shaggy says, like, I don't care about the money. Which, you know, good for you. Like, cool, okay, I like guess. weird flex, but whatever. You know? But, at the, yeah, he's like, oh, I don't care about the money, but by God, I will stare death in the face, double birds, and I will walk backwards into hell to get the fucking jewels <laughs> that are scattered around this property that I've fallen into ownership of. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, And then, so then, as if there weren't already enough, like, weird characters and danger you've got uh the giant gorilla on the loose you've got the boo brothers um you've got you've already met the headless horseman and the confederate ghost and And also the butler and then all of a sudden there's a just a skeleton wearing a cape that pops out of the chimney and we're like halfway through the movie and he's like i'm the bad guy i was the bad guy the whole time and you're like what and also you is we, that the meme skeleton? It is that is. the one who puts his hands up? Yes. And says, when you're celebrating Christmas on October 70th or whatever? Like, that's is exact- that the one? Yes. And I was blown away when I saw it. I was like, this is where that's from? <laughs> is Scooby-Doo and the goddamn Boo Brothers? But yeah, it, it came out, he comes out of nowhere and he's like, Daha, I'm really the villain and I want the jewels. What, were you running late? Where the hell have you been? <laughs> traffic so in addition Um, to the weird gorilla thing there's also a weird subplot where they go into a cave to go find another jewel and another clue and then there's like a bear in the cave and it's like a genuine date so it's like the movie introduces like hey by the way ghosts are real so everything's in play 
but also ghosts are lame. So instead, here's a gorilla and a bear and a gun because those are real dangers. Ghosts, those are pieces of shit. Gun, bear, gorilla, actual dangers. Right, right. No, I feel like there was legitimately, they were like, well, I mean, if we don't have like a weird Elmer Fudd type character who keeps, you know, like blowing himself up with gunpowder or whatever, yeah. then this isn't going to be a real cartoon. The kids are going to stop paying attention. I mean, it, when are we even releasing this thing? They're going to get bored by the ghost. It ghosts. really felt like that was a concern, was that the kids were going to get bored because there's just so much noise. There's so much just happening all the time. Everything's just loud and just like, oh, the headless horseman was fake. This horse is a robot. See, when you turn on, it goes, it does that all the time. Oh, turn it off. The, oh, it, oh, the headless horseman fell off because it's just a dummy. Oh, the, oh, hey, bang, 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 bang. Oh, hey, oh, the sheriff. Oh, I swear to God, if someone shoots me, bang, 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 bang. Oh, where's that shaggy dick? Oh, puppy power. Punch, punch, punch. Oh, there's a gorilla. Just constant barrage of horse shit for an hour and a half. <laughs> So yeah, even though I really enjoyed Scooby-Doo, I did not like this movie at all. I thought it was really lame. And then, let's talk about the ending. Let's talk about this reveal. Right. So you've got your list of suspects. So let's talk about how every Scooby-Doo episode is built. You've got the gang, you've got the dog, you've got the ghost or creature that's causing trouble. And then you usually have a red herring, and you've usually got a character you saw once. And that's usually your villain when they do the big reveal. You know, it's like, oh, it's Old Man Jenkins. And you saw Old Man Jenkins at the very beginning of the movie. Or at the very beginning of the episode. So, our list of su- our list of suspects. Googly-eyed butler, who made it very apparent that he wanted Shaggy off the property so that he could get the gold. Yeah, his name was, uh, uh, it's like Parkour or Fart Lord, I don't remember. Fart Lord the butler. <laughs> the crazy gun-toting cousin next door who didn't really seem interested in the gold, just interested in murdering Shaggy for some reason. And you've got the sheriff. Those are the only three characters that we saw other than the blonde girl, which what a twist that would have been. Been like, yeah, you wouldn't fuck me, but now I'm going to take your money. Um, <laughs> But you've got Butler, Sheriff, and... Uh, the gun-toting cousin as your main suspects because there's not really anybody else in the movie other than Shaggy and Scooby and Scrappy. So... But again, uh, just to kind of chime in here, it's already going against that form because there isn't a primary antagonist to wonder who he is. Right. Yeah, you're... It it doesn't... It's not until the very end that you start to see that the skeleton looks like he's wearing a suit. Right. Prior to that, you're uh, like, you're like, okay, are they going to pull the gorilla's head off? And that's somebody. Right. And not only that, like, this who- one really, really suffered from the, like, uh, there was always an element of disbelief in Scooby-Doo because, you know, they would always go like, oh, we unmasked the creeper and it's this guy. And it's just like, oh, he's just a guy in a suit. And you're like, but wait a minute. There were definitely scenes earlier where he was doing shit that there's no way you would have like the technology to do. You couldn't just be like, oh, he was on strings. That's how he was flying. It's like, he was doing loop-de-loops. He flew through a wall at one point. He possessed a girl for 10 seconds. Like there's <laughs> shit that you can't explain that they're like, eh, it was all just lights and, and mirrors. So this has the same problem for, oh, he's just a guy in a skeleton costume. Really? Cause he was making bone noises as he was like moving his hands to grab things. And he was like slipping into spaces. And there's one point where, 
the ghost, uh, the old man ghost, uh, who's the old Confederate ghost, is riding a penny farthing bicycle and just floats through a wall because he's a ghost. But then later they're like, nah, that was just a costume. Well, then how the hell did he do that? Like, there's a lot. It, it very clearly at the like third act is like, oh, shit, it can't be real ghosts. Even though the Boo <laughs> Brothers are a thing, they can't be real ghosts. So uh, it's all fake now. Oh, okay. So our three suspects, the sheriff, the cousin, and the butler. It's the sheriff who wanted the gold. However, in the twist of all twists, because you couldn't just unmask it and go, wait a minute, it was the sheriff. The sheriff is not really the sheriff. He is the evil twin of a mustachioed actual sheriff of the town. And what a bastard he is. And he wanted to steal the gold. Like, they literally just copy-pasted the animation of the sheriff and put a big fuck you Yosemite Sam mustache on him and he was like you son of a bitch we're putting you in jail and he's like ah damn it like that was their way out was like oh just doing the reveal that it's the sheriff is not enough it's gotta be that he's got a twin <laughs> brother who's actually a sheriff because we don't want police to look bad and so this guy oh what a rat bastard he is so okay. it's, it's, it's as if you take uh, an element of Scooby Doo which is Hey, isn't it sort of rewarding for you as the audience to remember? Be I thought I picked up on you know a little thing he said or whatever. Right. I knew it was him under the mask. Throw that out the window and just make an evil goatee version of another character. There you go. And say, Rodney, my twin who escaped from the asylum last night. My God, we haven't seen you in this story at all, but you are you're the one. Uh, it's a real, it's a real middle finger to all it those is. kids that that thought it's gotta be Sadie Mae Hawkins. She's right. too hot and fuck them. No one wants to fuck Shaggy. That's a rule. That was her giveaway. That's how, that's where she threw her plan. <laughs> well, way. she kept trying to date rape Shaggy through the whole movie. That's how you knew. That was the clue. That's that, how you knew that busted her. Um, and so, so yeah, they take away the fake sheriff, and then Shaggy and Scooby and Scrappy are like, "All right, Boo Brothers." We have to go back to status quo, so we're not going to live in this old house. So you can haunt this house now. And the Boo Brothers are like, okay, cool. But what about all this treasure? And Shaggy and Scooby and Scrappy just kind of wave it away like, oh, we're just going to donate it to orphans. (laughs) What? (laughs) Okay, very nice. But what the fuck? You're not even going to take it like, well, we'll take some to cover rent. No, just fuck money. (laughs) Oh, Shaggy, you communist. I had no idea. <laughs> Shaggy wanted to take uh, the money from the 2%, give it to the 98%. Oh, money? Um, That's the shackle for the common man. I'm good, thanks. Mm-hmm. All right, you weird yeah. hippie. What the fuck is going on? And then they're driving away and they're like, well, thank God the ghosts aren't real, except for the Boo Brothers, which we'll never bring up again. And then the Confederate ghost is just like hanging out on the road and they're like, what the... One, two, three. Wait a minute. It's all of us. Who could that be? Who gives a shit? Stomp on the gas. And they just drive away. And the end. <laughs> that is the uh, actual twist that I, I, I that is so thrown away that I even forgot they did it until right now. Yes. That that, that the, the Confederate ghost gives a little wink. And, and they're they like, oh, totally no. Disregard it. He's also a real ghost. 
Who fucking cares? We reached the hour 30 mark. Let's get the hell out of here. My hand hurts from drawing this. I'm fucking done. <laughs> it makes you wonder. <laughs> it makes you wonder um, uh, how Shaggy is meant to be relatable or likable in any way. When these kids are like, oh, that that cute blonde hillbilly. Wow, I want, I want her to be my girlfriend. Um, and Shaggy's like, get away from me. No, I won't have any of that. Get your dirty pussy away from me. I don't want any... I don't want to smell that within 50 yards of me. Ah, Jesus. Um, she literally and, like uh, picks him up at one point. He's They're like in a barn or something. And yeah. Shaggy's like, oh, I'm going to climb up here because I'm scared. And she's just in the hay like, hey, let's, I'm ready to fuck right now. <laughs> no questions asked. Let's do it. And he's like, ah, a monster's grabbed me. And she's like, nah, though, come on. What are we doing? Come on, though. Yeah, when she picked him, picked him up, that awakened some real things in me. Some I real... think that probably awakened a lot of things in a lot of guys. Like, I think a lot <laughs> That's... of women and men in, like, you're, like, 13, 14, and there is an awakening that's happening. Seeing this petite, <laughs> blonde, southern girl lift a grown man up. And you're like, what are we... What are we doing right now? I'd say that every video tagged giantess... On Pornhub is inspired has, by has Scooby, Scooby Doo and, and the Boo Brothers to thank. <laughs> exactly, they they should be a credit right at the end, right after you bust the nut. It just says and thank you, Scooby Doo and the Boo Brothers. So yeah, I, um, you're absolutely right. You, you you nailed it right on the on the head. Even though this came out in 1987, it super does not feel like it at all. Some of the jokes were ahead of their time, though, I gotta say. I mean, at one point, he says, like, hey, did you try using the up dog? And I was the other one's surprised. like, what's up dog? I was surprised. <laughs> I'm like, wow. I was like, that's these where this came from? Fucking waste of time ghost stooge characters. What a zinger. Yeah. I'm, and right after that, he said, you know what I died of, right? I died of Ligma. <laughs> oh, Ligma one. <laughs> Like my balls. <laughs> no, you you messed up the joke. It was like my. Here's a boat that you're in. Oh, you get it. It's a boat. Like that was. Yeah. No. I'm. <laughs> I'm just uh, shocked and disappointed that Shaggy didn't go Ultra Instinct to fight off these ghosts um, and use two percent of his power. That's it, true. Really, what I'm disappointed by. No, really, there is zero scenes in this movie where the Boo Brothers are helpful, entertaining, or useful in any way. There's zero they are for for sharing the marquee, they bring nothing to the table. Mm-hmm. Their physics as well were very confusing. They're like, hey we're ghosts. Um he, hey look, you're hanging off the roof. I tried to pull you up. Oops, I'm a ghost. I can't pull you up. But also, if you fire me out of a cannon, I'll make a hole in the wall. Right? Makes right, sense. Yes, as you do. And I can also eat the food out of the fridge. So, who the fuck am I? What am I? <laughs> that was the, Please that was help the, me. That was the scariest scene in the movie, when it became yeah. a real existential crisis of, <laughs> no, but really, what are we, though? What's wrong with me? Where am do... I in heaven or hell? Is where, this limbo? Where do we fit in God's plan? That's... <laughs> What the Boo Brothers... That's the truest mystery that the Boo Brothers want to solve. Is why would God forsake us? 
Also, it's because of all I'm, their crimes they committed when they were alive. That's true. But also, <laughs> why would why would God forsake us this way? Also, I'm going to press this piano key so that the wall can open up and you can go about your a merry way. I apologize for wasting your time. You're welcome. And also, I'm a very talented, gifted pianist. We will not touch on that again. Right. I have committed atrocities right, in, in my, my mortal life and this is my punishment <laughs> i'm neither living nor dead right i'm in some kind of hellish in between and there is no escape <laughs> also it suggests uh, it suggests that there's a genealogy to ghosts because they claim there's a scene when the boo brothers for no goddamn reason just throw a party at one point which consists of a lot of music in one room and a lot of ghosts that are fucking about. And Shaggy wants, and they're all allegedly related, even though they don't look anything alike. And then Shaggy's like, no, get them all out of my house. So they all leave. And then they're like, no, Boo Brothers, you suck. You should also leave. And they're like, oh, well, we were orphaned ghosts. We don't have a ghost mom or dad. And therefore, we don't have a house to haunt. And then Shaggy and Scooby and Scrappy say, oh, our mistake, please continue to fucking waste everyone's time in this film and, <laughs> and not bring any entertainment whatsoever. But why? So there's apparently ghost relatives and ghost parents are in play. Mm. And also ghost Confederate leaders. So there's ghost racism as well. There is absolutely ghost racism, I would say. Oh, my goodness. Okay, any final thoughts about Scooby-Doo and the Boo Brothers? Like I said, I went into this thinking, wow, oh, wow, what fun we will have because I like myself some Scooby-Doo and how wrong I was. This movie was really dumb and really awful. And like I said, just noise. It made me feel old. I was like, this is why people don't respect, like, animation is because of shit like this where it's just noise, 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 color, color, color. Here's a goddamn gorilla for no reason. Yeah, they're like, Fantasia? No, 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 no. Sit down. Let me pop this bad boy on for you. Let me show you what what, what they really do, these animators. I mean, somebody <laughs> really had to... Like, there were countless hours spent drawing well, this cartoon. And that's the thing, is I wanted to mention that, but I was too bogged down in everything that I hated. I didn't hate the animation of this. Like, right. there's, um, there's a scene in the beginning when the sheriff, who's not really the sheriff, goes to, like, investigate a room. And the walk cycle that they designed for him is so interesting because he's like he looks like a jelly bean with legs and so he's like waddling into the room but like how they animated how he walked was so interesting because it wasn't the normal like you know scooby-doo kind of walking so like there's animation elements of this that i was like really impressed by um there's an alternatively uh the audio they put about as much work as I do into these podcasts where they don't want to search for another noise. So they just play the same one again. So it's like, Oh, well we got to have both these characters slam into the door. So just play the same noise back to back. Obviously play door slam sound twice, get the Foley artist in, have him record it once. We're not paying him twice. But I don't know, what were your final thoughts on this thing? Did you Were you disgusted by this as well? Or were you just sort of like, yeah, it's all just noise, I don't care? Um, I, I Again, I think it's very, it's a very confusing mishmash of things that I think they thought were going to appeal to children in the 80s that they were so 
just so terribly wrong and yeah. and that I think would have entertained kids in the era of let's gather around the radio and listen to the new adventures of Cowboy Curtis. But I mean, in the eighties, I mean, this is a, that was a new wave of of kids. They were uh, this is no, they didn't need the uh, hillbilly chase with the big gorilla. That was that was not what was going to sell them on an animation. So. Yeah, wait a minute, wait a minute. I just realized something. If I'm not mistaken, didn't Transformers the motion picture come out in '85? You're probably correct. '84 or '85, correct? I think it was. I mean, you just had a whole different wave. I mean, like, anime was really, like, coming to America. Like, the, it just is, is mind-blowing that they were like, yeah, let's, um, like, Thundercats. Yeah, He-Man, Thundercats, Transformers. Yeah. Yeah, 1986. So a year before Scooby-Doo and the Boo Brothers drops, one of the most intense animated films of all time is dropped on the world, Transformers the movie, which had goddamn Orson Welles in it. And this one is, we've got two and a half people who can do a Three Stooges impression. So, that's going in. Yeah. It's fascinating that, like, the real Ghostbusters had been airing for, like, over a year at that point. Jesus! And they're like, this is is what we need. This is what is gonna get the kids back on the old Scooby-Doo. I mean, I would have, uh, it would have been extremely dated now, but I would have completely understood if they had really tried to make some, like, big Scooby-Doo space adventure or something, like, something sci-fi, like, it just had no element of, of what was clearly the most popular things for kids in media in the mid to late 80s. Yeah, like, it just did not connect at all. And then maybe you'd say, like, the 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 Boo Brothers is supposed to appeal to like the adults having to watch, but they weren't funny. They didn't do anything. They weren't making sure. like adult jokes, so right. it it made no difference. But yeah, the fact that the Transformers movie came out the year before this is like a night and day difference. And then, like you said, Quackbusters comes out the the year after, which is incredible. Right. So. Yeah, it's, it's super weird. All right, we're gonna we're gonna sit here for an hour, just like racking our brains to try and find out who. Uh, okay, this movie. Because that means G.I. Joe the movie came out the same year as, oh as Scooby-Doo and the Boo Brothers, which G.I. Joe the movie is a f- cop-out because they were going to kill Duke, but they didn't because they killed Optimus already and it destroyed children all over the goddamn world. So they puss oh, out God. and they don't kill all Duke. Right. They put him in a coma. Okay. Fuck okay. the, I'm not over all this. Right. I'm okay. not over this, it. I, I shouldn't have I shouldn't have gotten Zach on the 80s animation train. All right, let's just we we got to take a break. Right now, students, take your seats and turn your attention to the fun of the class. Gonna see a man who's been watching wrestling for 25 years and has now hosted over 10 dozen matches. It's your teacher, Zach Romero, and this is Clueless Wrestling School. Yes, hello, class. I am Professor Romero, and you know, in reviewing the test scores, over the last uh, season, 
of this podcast within a podcast, it's come to my attention that some of us are la- are, are falling behind. Some of us are not quite grasping the uh, the wrestling concepts that we're trying to teach here. So we're going to go back to a more structured state. Uh, no state testing yet, but what we're going to do here is we're going to break down elements of professional wrestling and really look at the minutia of it as opposed to just sort of looking at a match in general and hoping everybody watches and does their homework. Instead, it's going to be more like a PowerPoint that we're really going to be digging into with some Q&A about very specific elements of wrestling and why they are important. So go ahead and say it, Professor Romero. I mean, you keep you're implying a lot of things. Somebody didn't do their homework. Somebody didn't look over the uh, practice wrestling uh, SAT book that you gave me. Who who was it? Who was it? Well, it, it wasn't the Rule Thirty Four of the Country Bumpkin Girl from the Boo Brothers. I can tell you that much. Okay, fine. Uh, so this ain't the Boo Brothers, a triple X parody. Anyway, <laughs> so. <laughs> What we'll be doing today is we're going to be doing a little bit of a deep dive on uh, Steve Austin, who, since his career in wrestling, has become somewhat of a pop culture icon. And so, seeing as TN, our main pupil here, is completely illiterate when it comes to professional wrestling and the impact that it had uh, in its heyday, I thought this was a fine place to start. It's not quite as like deep cut as perhaps we had originally planned for this segment, but instead... It's going to be um, a much more clear and uh, an exploratory element of professional wrestling. So, what we started with was uh, our first uh, introduction to Steve Austin is back in 1993 to 1995 in World Championship Wrestling uh, when he was part of the Hollywood Blondes tag team with Flying Brian Pillman. Um, and so, Steve Austin has beautiful, beautiful baby soft blonde hair. And he and Brian Pillman are just being real dicks in the I ICW. didn't know Steve Austin could grow hair. I mean, that was shocking to me. I thought I thought when you pushed down on his head, just Play-Doh came out. I mean, I that's a realize. common that's a common uh, rumor and theory. But no, he actually did have baby soft blonde hair uh, wow. for for quite a little bit. So uh, basically, in this clip, uh, the Hollywood Blondes come out. The crowd is shitting all over them. And uh, they cut this big promo talking about how they're going to be the premier tag team in WCW. And they start name dropping all of these impressive international wrestlers who had like gained a lot of, you know, uh, notoriety and and precedence. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to fight all of them. So we grab this tag team that's up there with them and we're going to make an example of them. And then it's a team of local jobbers there's no they're not international superstars at all it's just two no-name guys and the hollywood blondes beat the balls off them and then cut a promo about how great they are say we give them a brush with greatness i say we give them an opportunity to prove themselves against the world's best and speaking of mexico and tijuana tony i know you did a little recruiting of talent yourself down there with the non-wrestling variety hey don't sweat it those charges were dropped weren't they anyway Dos Andres, you got the shot. Tony, you got a few bucks on you for a videotape. Uh, oh, what the heck? Put it on my platinum card. Get him a whole entertainment center. We'll get him a TV and a VCR because, like I said, we're really spoiled guys. What are we doing tomorrow night? So, at this early stage in the game, what is what were your thoughts going into this and, and seeing this? Oh, boy. Um, well, first and foremost, so uh, I guess... So he's a heel at this point. That's obviously. true. Yes. If if you if you can't tell by the uh, 
incredible booing coming from the audience. You can barely hear their promo that they got. It made me wonder, it's like, is this the same audience that would go to a Marvel film and Thanos comes out to like deliver his big monologue and then just, boo! You can't even hear him at all. You can't hear him say, you know, the the bit about, you know, uh, equal as all things should be, yada yada. Boo! Boo! Was was this your home world? Captain America's gonna kick your ass! Boo! Was this your home world? It was, and it was a boo! Boo! <laughs> I don't care if it was beautiful. Boo! Yeah. <laughs> so it, it, it does really make me wonder um, what is the element of like, but I'm at a show. Like, this is the theater, essentially. I, I have to listen to the villain speak, otherwise the hero's journey will make no sense to me. But that's not the case. Just boo! Well, at a certain point, I think as a as a performer, you kind of like, okay, let them get them out of their system, and then if it just continues, you go, all right, well, okay, we have to power through stopping. it. We can't just stay here they're all not night. stopping. Yeah. Steve, they're not stopping. Okay, let's just talk over it. <laughs> Which is not great. So anyway, so what did you, so experiencing this, the promo, the short match, was there anything, I mean, it is, it's, anything it's, it is mind-blowing. I, 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 I didn't have any idea in my wildest dreams that this was sort of the beginning, or, or rather that this was at least one thing that he had tried at the beginning before uh, the persona of Stone Cold. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't in my wildest dreams have imagined Steve Austin with a beautiful, uh, nearly a bowl cut of blonde <laughs> hair. Uh, just looking gorgeous and looking at the camera and just winking. Not a trace of Southern accent. No. As he just tells you, like, yeah, you know, all you ladies out there, tell you what, I'll, I'll buy you a brand new VCR. <laughs> this is Steve Austin, honey, signing out. Basically. I, I, I mean, my wildest dreams, I couldn't have imagined that that so, was something he tried. So to keep us on uh, on the timeline here, so we're talking about, like, 1993 to 1995. So we're about three-ish years or so from Stone Cold Steve Austin becoming Stone Cold Steve Austin. So we leave WCW. We jump over to the World Wrestling Federation, their top competitor. It is 1995 to 1996. It is the debut of Steve Austin in the WWF, and they stick him with the million-dollar man Ted DiBiase. They do not trust that Steve Austin can talk on the mic, and so he is a silent assassin character. That is who he is as the ringmaster Steve Austin. Okay, so this is a weird mix of things. I mean, the ringmaster, I I certainly don't think about like a cold Terminator-esque assassin with the name the ringmaster. I think something big and boisterous, like you're going to grab the mic and you're going to, you know, come on, come all! You see, the greatest show on earth is like, whoop this guy's ass! Um, So, bad name, I'll say first and foremost. And what I don't know anything about Professor is I know nothing about the manager. I don't understand his legacy at all. So, Ted DiBiase was um, a very famous wrestler in the uh, 70s and 80s. And so, his gimmick was that he was the million dollar man. So, uh, he just was wealthy and he could do what he wanted and there's no real consequences to the wealthy. Uh, his, his catchphrase was that everybody has a price. So there were some times where instead of fighting an opponent, he'd be like, Hey, here's 200 bucks. Go fuck off. And they would go, sounds good to me. And he would just win by default. They say that money is the root of all evil. Well, I'm here to tell you that it's not because you see with enough of this right here, I can buy anything. I can have anything I want. I can buy happiness. I can buy love. And if I want to, I can even buy you. So that was his whole gimmick. Now, at this time, in 1995, his wrestling days are over. 
So they felt that he was still good enough on the mic that they would stick him with this new guy, Steve Austin, and uh, and he would do all the talking and all the character building. It's not really clear why Ted DiBiase would do that, like why he needed an assassin or anything like that. But it's funny that you mentioned Terminator because that's exactly what they told him to be. So there's a promo halfway through the match that, that I showed you where he's going up against Fatu and there's like a, it's like a weird intercut thing. Cause I guess the match wasn't interesting enough. And it's just Steve Austin with sunglasses on, like talking in a whisper about like, yeah, I'm going to murder somebody in the ring. And Ted DiBiase just going, ha 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 ha. Yeah. And that's the character. I'm stone cold. I don't care. I'll take the last Oreo and leave the empty box on the shelf for you to find. I'll go on a first date with you, and I'll pretend like I had a great time. I'll tell you, you're not like any guy I've ever met on here. Then, I'm on a ghost. I don't care. I'm stone cold. Basically. Um, so that... So, the Hollywood Blondes in WCW found some success, but there were other tag teams who had more pull, more drawing power at the time. So, Hollywood Blondes never really got, like, a huge push or huge opportunity. Um, then, the ringmaster sucked out loud. Nobody cared. It didn't connect with anybody. It didn't do anything. So, our final piece is we jump to 1997. We are right at the cusp of the hottest period in WWF's history. This is about when it becomes not just wrestling, but now it is pop culture phenomenon. And so I dropped in our star student here right in the thick of it. We are just in the starting stages of the McMahon-Austin feud. And it is a, an episode of Raw from 1997 where we are seeing corporate Stone Cold Steve Austin where he has sold out and is now in a suit coming out to the ring and he's one of Vince McMahon's cronies now. And so, uh, and that's where I dropped TN for our final segment. I'll tell you one thing, Cole. I'll tell you what else you gotta admit. Wait just a minute. You gotta admit, this is an improvement. Look at this. I mean, that's probably a $2,500 Armani suit compared to yeah. a $20 t-shirt he usually wears. Underneath that suit, though, lies the heart of a rattlesnake and the toughest SOB in the WWF. I've never seen McMahon smile so much. Look at this. Mr. Austin. I'm overwhelmed. This is one small step for Steve Austin, one giant leap for the World Wrestling Federation. So when did the Bible verses start? When did he become, as you so appropriately dubbed him, the Redneck Messiah? Well, interesting that you mentioned that. It was actually in uh, King of the Ring a few years prior that he was fighting in a tournament. He was going against uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, who at that time had a religious gimmick because he was a recovering, you know, alcoholic and he became a born-again Christian, blah, 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 blah. So, King of the Ring 1996, he beats Jake the Snake Roberts and after the match, uh, Stone Cold cut a famous promo mocking Roberts' religious faith and proclaiming the now iconic catchphrase, Austin 316 says... I just whooped your ass. And then literally, the, and he's still the ringmaster at this time. And then literally on that Raw, there were a trillion signs in the crowd that said Austin 316. And Vince McMahon went, holy shit, we have something here. And just let Austin run with it. Because the Austin 316, that whole uh, promo had just come off the top of his head. That wasn't anybody gave him that. That wasn't like, well, the ringmaster would really, we really got to see a true piece of Steve Austin as a person in that moment. And the crowd immediately jumped on board with it. 
a year's worth of buildup of he's the ringmaster, he's the Terminator, he's this guy, meant nothing for that split second when he let a little piece of his real personality come out and the audience immediately attached onto it. Hmm. Wow. So it seems like, because you've actually shown me another clip in a previous lesson where they did a similar gimmick to The Rock, and it seems like it's by far the easiest way to turn a crowd um, is to say, okay, he's now a pawn of McMahon. Right. Because Vince McMahon, at this time, was already becoming this arch-villain. So immediately, if you would just attach somebody to him, it could be the greatest hero of the day. And as soon as they go, by the way, Vince McMahon's my guy, the crowd's like, nope, he's done. We hate him now. So the whole premise of the skit was Vince McMahon's played hardball. Clearly, there's been some kind of negotiation. And now Stone Cold has turned in his, you know, leather vest and his, like, ass-kicking boots. And now he's in a suit and tie. And he's like being cucked out by Vince McMahon on live TV. Um, now, of course, anybody who's not familiar with this very famous moment, uh, that goes fine for like five minutes, and then Stone Cold uh, takes a picture with Vince McMahon and then tells him to uh, get that developed because it's the only time you're ever going to see Stone Cold Steve Austin in a suit. Like I told you before, I said it to someone else, I'll say to you, DTA, don't trust anybody. Now, what I want you to do is bow down for Stone Cold. And then if I remember correctly, he hits him in the balls at one point, which is pretty yeah, outstanding. Did, which I, I didn't, I did not realize that the, the nut slap in the ring was such a seminal and no pun intended, uh, move in wrestling history. I mean, I've seen you do that move. That's and, true. And, uh, so I, I did not realize that that was such a, there's you know, a, there's a legacy a staple. there. Yeah. So so you're seeing this at the height of it, and you hear that crowd. As soon as he starts taking off the suit, that oh, yeah. crowd goes apeshit. It is so obvious building up to this. It's so easy. It's such an easy story to tell, but it is oh, so yeah. effective. And that crowd It's the most obvious bananas. thing in the entire world. Yes. It's, 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 hey, I know all of you out there, you hate going to your 9 to 5 job. You hate putting on that button up. You want to come home and put on your Austin 316 tank top and you want to crack open a cold one and watch me. Well, yeah, I feel the same way. I'm going to tear this shirt off right now. I mean, it, it is the most... It is the most pandering thing I've ever seen. I mean, it's it's all it's almost incredible in how geniusly stupid it is. Yes, if if it hadn't worked to the degree that it did, it would be considered very pandering. Like you would be like, this is insulting. But the fact the crowd is like, yes, slap that grown man in the cock and tear off that suit, you southern bald man. It's, it's immediately just fine art. It's not, it's it, but here's the thing. So narratively it's that moment tells the entire saga of the McMahon Austin feud is that Austin is the best. He is the champion. He is not appropriate to be the face of a company. And so Vince McMahon is going to do everything in his power to try to stack the deck against Austin to take the title away. And for the love of God, hopefully put the title on somebody who's more presentable. But Austin is this perpetual rebel and, you know, he's the man of the people. So that's basically the entire feud that went on for years. Hmm. So uh, there's also a mention of uh, the, the the prison aspect. I mean, he's got a couple of, uh, like, prison guards with him, McMahon does. And Austin right. keeps mentioning, like, oh, I just got out of the hole. Uh, so I yes, guess that was a part of it. Yes, because the week prior... 
he had gotten arrested for attacking Vince McMahon. Because again, every week it's escalation. That's how you keep people watching. Right. So this week was corporate stone cold. Just kidding. No, he's not. The next week would be something else. The next week would be something else because you had to keep topping yourself in order to get people to, to tune in. Cause it was the craziest thing they had seen that week until the next week. So, so to round out stone cold, where is he at uh, either now or towards the end of his height of popularity? Eventually, he he rode out most of the 90s. He rode out, you know, 97, 98, even in the 2000s. He was riding high. He was their top guy for a long time. He did jump ship. There is a time much later where he joins forces with Vince McMahon. He becomes a bad guy. So there's a whole saga there. Um, his career somewhat ends abruptly. Uh, because for political reasons, he didn't want to pursue what was going on. Basically, they wanted to make another guy the new top guy, and he was like, I still got gas in the tank. And they were like, well, I don't know what to fucking tell you. And then he kind of took his ball and went home a little bit. But uh, since then, again, he's become this pop culture phenomenon. He's got his own shows on CMT. He's got a, a, a very popular podcast that he hosts. Um, he's been in movies. He's like. been a He's been on TV. Um, I'm going to ignore that comment. Uh, and so he still remains relevant even to this day, just not is with in-ring work. But every once in a while when there's a, you know, landmark like, oh, it's the 100,000th episode of Raw, they'll bring him out and he'll stun or somebody and drink a beer and everyone goes home happy. Wow. Well, uh, that's a lot of information about Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, I think I've got it all. Um, so, well, and the bit, the major point that I want to make clear here is that there's not necessarily one right answer when it comes to being a character in wrestling from 1993 to 1997, he went through three, technically four, because we didn't even get into ECW, which was right before WWF. There's multiple chances to try and figure out what's going to work for you as a performer. And so the bottom line is you keep reworking it until you finally find that groove where you connect with the crowd and you're true to yourself and it's something that you want to pursue and you want to be passionate about. And so, yes, it took multiple drafts, but finally Stone Cold Steve Austin got into his groove, did what he wanted to do, did it his way, and the people loved him for it and he found success. So when it comes to being that character or being that version of yourself in the world of professional wrestling... There is no one right answer. You just keep working at it until you find something that you like, that the crowd likes, and that you find that perfect balance. And that's the bottom line, because Professor Romero says so. Well, I finally got my talkings to here. I got my, uh, I got my shit in. And so now it's time for part two of our deep dive into the animated world of Hanna-Barbera. Just really shit in the bed. As we talk about uh, Scooby-Doo Return to Zombie Island. Uh, so, Tien, please give us the uh, the nuts and bolts and the quick rundown. Return to Zombie Island is a film that came out in 2019. And it is a sequel to the very first direct-to-video movie for Scooby-Doo, which was Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, which we'll talk about probably too much. Now, uh, in this sequel, uh, the gang uh, is sort of uh, hitting a weird uh, 
end near the beginning of the film where they're not sure what they want to do. The mystery machine is no more. Uh, they're sort of at a loss and they win a contest to go to a remote island and get like a relaxing getaway. Um, and when they get to that island, they realize that it doesn't look quite tropical and in fact looks very familiar to a place they've been before many years ago. Um, but because the gang has promised Scooby and Shaggy that they aren't going to investigate any mysteries, they leave it until the weirdness hits a peak that not even Scooby-Doo can ignore. And that's where we pick up. So, oh boy, um, should we just start and talk about Zombie Island just to... So, the original Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island was released in 1998. It was a response to the sudden resurgence of popularity of Scooby-Doo from countless reruns on Cartoon Network. And so they decided that, uh, Hanna-Barbera decided that it was time to sort of like reimagine Scooby-Doo to a certain extent and like reintroduce creating new material for it. And so the gimmick of this movie, which, yeah, direct-to-video, was that this time the ghosts were real. That was the whole gimmick of it. Um, I guess we we retconned the Boo Brothers. Um, and so, <laughs> As you should. <laughs> so um, it was immensely, immensely popular. It completely sold its ass off. It was hugely successful. And it really did sort of reintroduce Scooby-Doo to a new audience. Um it was animated totally differently than the original Scooby-Doo. It had um, a little more of a serious tone to it. It was a little scarier for actual children. Um, it was awesome. It was great. It's it's looked back on fondly. There's a big nostalgia boot for it. Like, it's just, it was great. And it really set the tone for what a modern telling of Scooby-Doo could be. Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island is uh, not only what most people would agree to be the best scooby-doo movie that has ever been produced but it is possibly one of the greatest animated films of all time i don't feel like it's exaggerating to say that i feel like it has a level of maturity that you don't see in even modern animated films that are famed for being family pictures where the parents can come and enjoy them too eat my ass pixar like check out zombie island because it has a level of almost quiet to it that you would you would think is like it had forgotten that the Boo Brothers even existed as a movie, which is so loud and so in your face and doesn't take a breath. And this is a movie that will literally stop to cut to Scooby and Shaggy just eating crawfish, and it's silent. It's just them, and it's just a character moment. It's just to show them together enjoying each other, enjoying their company. And it's so... It, the, the, the level of respect it has for all of the characters in it, the level of respect it has for its performers... I mean, goddamn Mark Hamill plays Snakebike Scruggs in Zombie Island. It's... I rewound that film in my VHS rewinder, which was a separate thing because our VCR didn't let you rewind. You had to take it out and put it in a little separate thing and rewind. I rewound it and I watched that literally over and over. I think the first time I saw it when I was a kid, I watched it three times in a row. Wow. 
So, needless to say, a little bit of bias here. A little critic bias <laughs> going into the 20-year-later sequel. Did I reveal that? Did I Did Oops. I give away? Yeah. Oopsies. <laughs> Whoopsie. Yeah. Um, so... So we're going into a sequel in 2019, which the rumor was, uh, prior to watching this, that this was perhaps not in the same canon as Zombie Island, or possibly was just trying to bankroll on the name and just tell a very different Scooby-Doo story. Um, but uh, to this film's credit, the opening credits have Morgan Moonscar, the pirate, uh, the supposed villain from the first movie. Um, it's got a very New Orleans Bayou vibe to the opening credits. It's showing the cat people. Um, so it's not scared of its source material at all. Right. But that's about the extent of the credit we can give it as we start to jump in here. <laughs> yeah, this, if I had to describe this movie it seems somewhat mean-spirited towards the original movie like the original movie picks up and mystery inc has ostensibly ostensibly broken up they got burned out on solving all these mysteries and it's always just some guy in a suit and they were tired of it they kind of went their separate ways kind of what the uh, the first Scooby Doo movies, uh, the live action one, right, kind of ripped that off. Um, but they're all finding success in their own ways, um, and then they kind of get brought back together for Zombie Island, and it's a whole new mystery, and this time the mystery is real. And da 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 da. In this one, there's no reason for the gang to not be solving mysteries, like. It starts with Fred has sold the mystery machine because, I don't know, we don't get into that. It really starts with a montage of the gang just murdering all of the classic Scooby-Doo yes. monsters. Um, Which, by I the mean, way, I thought that was animated the best part of the whole movie. Probably, like, yeah. the The classic monsters and stuff like that looked really great. Um, I thought that was the best animated part of the feature. And then, yeah, it's it's done and it's like, ah, ha, 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 we kicked all their asses. And then Fred sold the mystery machine, which similarly to my question about the Boo Brothers and how come our introduction to them, a ghost stuffed his head up another ghost's ass. My question, Tian, how come when we first meet up with Fred, he wants to fuck a car? How come he wants to fuck a car? That's his character arc for the film. I mean, he's got Daphne, and yet he seems totally uninterested in her, but every vehicle in the film, he seems ready to put his dick right in the exhaust. <laughs> yeah, it's very strange. Um, also, as a, as a, as a side note, uh, so yeah, so we pick up, and the gang is just not solving mysteries anymore, which isn't really explained. And then it's even like, oh, you could solve mysteries because they do the thing like they're in a diner and then it's like, oh, I guess we solved all the mysteries there are. And then it's, you hear a bunch of, you overhear a bunch of conversations of people like talking about new urban legends and shit like that. And they're like, oh, I guess not. I guess we could solve other mysteries. And then Shaggy and Scooby are like, no, 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 fuck that. We're not doing that anymore. You have to promise us and you can't break a promise. We're not solving mysteries anymore. Okay, fine. But instead of like the original one where like they all had their own lives, in this one, the big joke is like, Oh, they're not real humans. They can't exist. Mysteries is literally their whole existence. 
Like Velma had like is like comes across as some kind of mental condition because she's like, I don't have mysteries to solve, therefore I have no I have no purpose in life. I just am a husk now, and it's like, oh, oh okay. So yeah. there's no real character moments at all in this. It's no, just like, no. The only character moments are showing that they uh, not that only Fred do wants they to have fuck no, no interest. Yeah, Fred wants to fuck a car, um, and. They have no interests other than solving mysteries, and they certainly have no relation to each other other than mysteries. They have yeah, nothing they don't connect. to talk about at all. Like yeah, they make that joke a few times of like, what are we going to talk about? Like, oh, I don't know. And then the other thing, too, is, again, the movie being mean-spirited, it doesn't treat that like it's a problem. Like, it's not, it doesn't treat it like, oh, my God, they've lost that love and feeling. They don't want to solve mysteries anymore. It treats it like, who would solve mysteries? What, they got an idiot? Waste their time solving mysteries? What even is a mystery? What are these fucking losers doing? Like, there's a sheriff that's just like, hey, you kids should stop solving mysteries because that's a fucking stupid thing to do. And they're like, I guess the sheriff's right. I don't know. I can't defend that. And then we get uh, an Elvira cameo. Now, here's the thing. Did I like that Matthew Lillard was the voice of Shaggy because Casey Kasem's dead? Yes. Do I enjoy the stupid Elvira cameo for no reason? Yes. She even I'm a said simple horrible man. horrors. I, she did. And I was like, I, maybe that was a clever name that I made. And also I'm erect. Um, yeah, I love that. And I'm stupid and I'm a simple man. And those things make me happy. Sure. But yeah, so Elvira shows up on the TV and there's like some contest and Shaggy wins and they're going to get whisked away on this island. And it's the same goddamn island as Zombie Island, but the movie is like tr- playing around. It's like, oh, it's not. It's not the same island as Zombie Island. That's stupid. That movie back in 19... That, that old movie from back in 19... That movie that sucks. It was on VHS. You can't even play those these days. Who could... <laughs> it's like those people who are like, oh, that movie's in black and white. I have no interest in watching it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Great. This, this Scooby-Doo movie is the last Jedi of Scooby-Doo. Like it's, it's, it's thesis is if you like Scooby-Doo, you're a cuck. (laughs) And let me tell you how stupid you are for liking this dumb thing. Somebody lost a bet and had to make this movie. Like that's like, Oh, this talking dog. What a fucking moron. Who would even listen to that? Dogs can't talk. This whole fucking cartoon's stupid. That's the whole thing. Um, so, uh, they get to the island, which again is trying to trick you into thinking as if the movie is not called Return to Zombie Island. Right. Um, it's like the resort's called Moonstar Island, not Moonscar Island. What are you, some kind of buffoon, some kind <laughs> of simpleton to think that it would be Moonscar Island? And this is oh, a riverboat that took you here. And here's, hey, here's all these supporting characters who are identical to the original ones that you dealt with in the first movie. What? What? Deja vu? What are you, an idiot? What are you talking about? So then it gets, it makes very strange decisions. So they start to introduce these supporting characters once uh, they've arrived at the hotel. Again, the gang is feeling very awkward towards one another. They don't know what to say. Scooby Shaggy are having a great time. They're picking out. Like, this is their vacation. Um, They don't care. They're unaware. They're ignorant. Um, And uh, the supporting characters who are dressed exactly like the primary characters from Zombie Island start 
start speaking in a very odd way and then saying yes and as responses to what the gang is saying to them. An unlimited supply of gold-wrapped Scooby Snacks. The lion! Heaven! <laughs> yes, and heaven is just off stage right. All you can eat. And I and I go, is is did David Lynch direct this? Is this like they're they're purposefully doing bad acting, but it's meta and it's it's trying to show you that these characters are acting, but it hasn't revealed its hand of, yet? One of them literally says, Oh, there's a whole buffet here. Stage left. Wow. Great. It's it's insulting me as an audience member. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, granted, like, do we have to say, like, the, the, it's for children? Like, okay. True. Fine. True. Like, yes. a child perhaps would not have caught on. Um, but Kate Micucci's Velma, which I didn't realize Kate Micucci had been playing Velma for a while up to this point, <laughs> um, goes ahead and just points out the very obvious things as if, well, here's the mystery reveal. Okay, we're halfway through the movie. Uh, nothing has happened. We're halfway through the movie, right. um, and it's time for the big reveal. They're actors. Yeah, and then it's yeah. The meta is well. This director named Alan Smithy, which did that half a dozen jokes that they hammered in the ground. Did that do anything for you? I. It, it became. I mean, it literally. It's it's sitting there telling you that not only if you like Scooby Doo, you're you're a lame brain, but also you've like modern horror movies. You're basic. You're right. Hashtag basic. So they hammer this joke home where the director who's very flamboyant is like, Oh, well, you know, we're going to do a found footage film because it was really hot now. And so the idea was we were going to recreate zombie Island and scare the shit out of you and then film that and make a bunch of money. And what's the director's name? Alan Smithy. And if you're not a thousand years old and, and a movie snob, that means nothing to you. But they make the joke a lot of, haven't you seen my movies? I've made so many. And it's like, huh? Because Alan Smithy is a pseudonym for directors who didn't want to put their name on a project. So if you made Troll 3 and you were like, this is a, do this is a pile of dog shit, you wouldn't put you know, Tien Guignol on the name for the credits, you would put Alan Smithy and be like, just give me my money and let me go home. So that's the joke. Ha ha ha. They're going to hammer it home a dozen times. So, so oh my God, I, I don't, I, I, at this point I was sort of staring slack jawed at this movie because I'm like, all right, they're telling me that zombie Island sucks and right. that Scooby-Doo's stupid. And, now they're saying, oh, and this was all a joke, by the way. You weren't getting a sequel to Zombie Island. This is a big, this is a meme, as the kids right. call them. This was never, this is, look, like, that. I'm not, I'm the director of this stupid sequel. This is all dumb. And it, it's like, it's it completely doubles down on its joke. It 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 establishes a miserable premise, first of all, by being like, hey, the gang's not allowed to solve mysteries. I hope you like Scooby and Shaggy just eating, because right, that's, that's all that's all allowed got. right now. Um, and, and then, and then it, it takes that and adds in, and by the way, 
Zombie Island doesn't sucks, and you suck well, for liking and, it. And here's the thing: we're not just over exaggerating here. There's an entire plot point about how the ending of the original Zombie Island was lame, and that they didn't actually solve anything. So, like, they dunk on the ending. Because, yes, the whole point of the original one was that the supernatural elements are real. So, it kind of gets bogged down, but there's, like, a curse, and there's, like, cat werewolf kind of people that are haunting this island, and there's ghosts, zombie kind of things, and it's a whole fucking, how do you do? And so, basically, they kind of figure out the truth of what's haunting this island, and through use of magic, they kind of undo it, and everybody goes home and it's safe. Hooray. Well, that's not good enough. That that ending sucked. The villagers had called upon their cat god or something to get revenge. And so, he changed them into werecats. Werecats. They were going to steal our life force, too. Something they could only do during the harvest moon. But we were able to stop them, and they melted into nothing. You know, I was never really satisfied with how that whole thing turned out. So... They play into that a lot in this sequel of like, well, that's no, it was fake. It was all fake. And we just didn't figure it out at the time, but it's fake now. Like it's a very, like I said, very mean spirited film, but at the same time, it's trying to be clever by saying, Hey, soulless husk for sequels are bad. And that's what this is. And the first one, the first movie sucked and including the magic paranormal elements is lame, but there's also a paranormal element in the sequel because there's a werewolf cat person that's real that is still lurking around this island that never gets resolved, but they're like, oh man, that's a thing still. So it's a weird mishmash of like trying to pay homage. All the sound effects are the classic sound effects in the cartoon. They do all the tropes. They do like the random chase scene set to a song that doesn't fit. They're hitting all the tropes, but they're hitting it, like, begrudgedly. Like, they didn't want to be there. And the, it's very, very uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, that was perhaps the greatest uh, cinema sin for me uh, of this whole movie, was that when it came time for the chase scene, instead of doing a sequel to Terror Time, they went ahead and they went with the OG 60s garbage. The OG True, Scooby yeah. 60s bullshit. Um, and it was honestly, I think, a worse song than the one from Boo Brothers. I would just go yes. on a limb and just say that. Um, I, I agree with that. Uh, that. That made me the most upset uh, that yeah. they didn't go and, and get that 90s like punk band and get them together to do Terror Time again. Yeah, true. So yeah, it's, 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 a, weird, it's a weird film experience. So what... So... Basically, like Tien says, halfway through the movie, it's revealed that it's just a movie set. But then there's actual attacks happening. There's like island cats that are attacking people. And there seems to be cat werewolf people again. And so the staff, who none of the supporting characters get any kind of character development this time, they all get out. And now the director is a crazy person and it's like, no, we have to finish filming this movie. So I'm going to destroy our only means of getting out and uh, we have to finish this film now that we're in actual danger. And there's no repercussions to that, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah, they let him, they, they, they fully let him get away with that. He's he's applauded at the end of the movie. Um, yeah. So 
Yeah, so so now we're two-thirds of the way through the film, and the stakes have been raised again. There are stakes again now. It's not all fake. You know, what, what's the true mystery here? At this point, Shaggy and Scooby have forgotten about their no mysteries thing, and it's fine to just go ahead and allow Velma to do her thing. And so, so we rocket towards the end of the film where they're trying to do the same ritual from the first movie where they're trying to sacrifice their souls under the blood moon and through a little bit of trickery and uh, the gang getting zombie costumes from the makeup department uh they're able to reveal that yeah they're not cat people actually they're wearing masks, it's costumes, and they actually were not interested in sacrifice, it was just money. So it is a classic Scooby-Doo format at the end, but it is at the expense of everything that Zombie Island set up. Yeah, and it takes a fucking terrible way to get there. Like, to yeah. become like a regular... It's like if you had the premise, the the structure of a traditional Scooby-Doo episode, and then you stretched it out for an hour and a half, and then just filled it with angry feelings... For the for the the filler bits, it's very just shallow and cold and not not entertaining, and yeah, it was really weak and I didn't enjoy it whatsoever. The end of the film where Velma's got an opportunity to maybe say like, "Okay, Velma, like you've got a few more minutes here. Why don't you really figure out what happened all those years ago? Why don't you figure out what the secret of Zombie Island is?" And she goes, "Hmm, Swamp Gas." Yeah, she says, oh, you know what? The original film wasn't real. There were always people in bullshit cat costumes from the beginning. And they're like, all right, well, how do you explain the zombies? Swamp gas hallucination. And they just go, okay, that seems fine. It's, I mean, it's truly, it is, it's Mark Hamill drinking milk out of the big alien titty. Like, I don't know how else to put it. It's like... (laughs) It's like, this sucks, and you suck for liking it. And I'm like, thank you? <laughs> I'm that sorry really should have been I've... the tagline. That should have been the tagline of the movie. This sucks, it's, and you suck for liking it. It's it's on the bottom of the Blu-ray, for sure. Oh, good. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really tough film to talk about, because it's basically like, well, we're reviewing some personal insults I received via email. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, well, it's a weird idea of, like, it's supposed to be a sequel. It's supposed to be kind of a reboot because it's kind of redoing the same story. But it's also mean-spirited and just, like, I don't want to be here. Like, you know, somebody <laughs> forced me to do this. And it's like, okay. You know, you could have done another WWE one. Like, no, saying you, you know, I'm sure there's another niche market somewhere you could capitalize on of Scooby-Doo meets whatever the fuck, you know, Scooby-Doo meets avocado toast or some shit, like whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. And by the way, Shaggy of all people needs to pick a lane, I think. So he doesn't want to fuck the hillbilly girl, but then he loves Elvira, but yes. then he's too scared to go to a theme park because he's got PTSD from their mysteries but his favorite show is a horror review movie show. Like, yes. why don't you pick a lane, Shaggy? Okay. Yeah. Well, and Shaggy's the only out. Shaggy's the only one who kind of has a character in this. Like, everybody else is literally just standing around. Like, how Daphne, Fred, and Velma are portrayed in this is how I feel like the producers felt they were portrayed back in the '60s. Because it's like, well, yeah, if this was Velma, Fred, and Daphne all the time. 
I would cut them out too and just make it about Shaggy and Scooby because these characters are worthless. Yeah. The, which they aren't. They 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 are their own developed characters, but in this it has no and now I'm curious if the other more recent Scooby Doo films are like this. Are they all like this? Where it's just like, ah, you know what that fucking thing is. They're gonna fucking solve the mystery or whatever is John Cena. Or are those all legitimate, like, oh, yeah, they're really carrying the torch, and then this is just a weird offshoot, mean-spirited, like, cousin of them? And, you know, the weirdest thing about all this is that the big reveal, the, you know, would have gotten away with it, too, if it weren't for you meddling kids, at the very end, are these, are the only people of color in the whole film. That was weird. They're just, like, these random uh, island people that greet them when they hit the island, and they say, like, get out, because it's a Jordan Peele movie. Right. And uh, and then you don't see them again, and then they're the bad guys. And of they course. were willing to kill Shaggy and Scoopy. For money. Because, For of course, money. they were. Yeah. Which, you know, that's why Shaggy's a good character, because he doesn't care about money, and you shouldn't right. either, kids. Well, because they find this gold treasure chest, and the director's just like, cool, I'm going to take all this money and leave and retire and fuck all of you on the horses you rode in on. And the gang just goes, well, goodbye, I guess. Uh, cool, let's eat some Scooby Snacks, I suppose. I don't understand how... Like, That's the connecting what... factor of both these films. They each end with finding a treasure, and no one cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. The gang is like... they're The gang is like part of the Manson family or something. They just have <laughs> yeah. this level of, like, disconnection to everything else that they're just like, nah, man, you gotta, you gotta let that shit go. Jewels? Priceless jewels? Fuck that shit. <laughs> um... God, well, okay, what else is there to say about res- Return to Zombie Island? I didn't hate the animation. I thought it was clean. It looked good. Sure. Like I said, I appreciated that the sound effects were the classic sound effects. I still love that Frank Welker is the voice of Fred and the voice of Scooby. Did, any, said, of like... the, did any of the jokes in the in either film connect with you? Did, did you laugh? Did you breathe out of your what's... nose? <laughs> I was going to say, what's the opposite of laugh? Because that's what <laughs> happened. Um, the opposite of laugh is, uh, I think you, you get closer, you get one inch closer to your next bowel movement. You then, swallow yes. a little bit and you go, hmm, I can, it's one minute closer now. <laughs> then that was it for both. That's, it's, okay. I give it five minutes closer to a bowel movement is what happened for <laughs> oh, each perfect. of those. Yeah, no, um, I don't know. It, like I said, it, I, and again, I don't know if we're just too old because this is for children. And maybe children are just stupid and they don't get that it's like talking down to them. But I I guess that's the biggest question I have is who is this sequel for? Is it for kids who never saw the first one? Because that's not going to make any goddamn sense. Is it for the, is it for the people who saw and loved the original and are coming back 20 years later? It certainly isn't because you start at your beginning, middle and ending are all fuck you. That old movie sucked. So who is this movie for? It must be the only people it could be for are, current modern Scooby fans that think Zombie Island sucks. And they're <laughs> yeah, like, well, I guess that's this, it. This is my justification. This is my thesis piece on, yeah, it does suck. And I agree with you. Thank you. Very strange. Very strange. Very strange. Okay. Uh, I guess final thoughts on Scooby-Doo and the return to Zombie Island? Like I said, very strange indeed. To go through all the effort to recreate so much of the original film 
just to make a giant wank off motion and be like, who fucking cares? <laughs> hey, look, we got all these character models to look exactly like the original movie. Great. Are they going to like have more than one scene? No, fuck them. Oh, okay. That's <laughs> fine. I guess. The yeah. The end. fact that they're literally the, that they're doing a recap of the original film and they're saying like, do you remember when all of this happened? And you've got Matthew Lillard doing the ADR saying, yeah, and I didn't give a shit then, and I don't now. <laughs> and I super don't give a shit now. <laughs> Remember when our lives were genuinely in danger, and zombies were real, and it blew our minds forever? Yeah, that sucked. Okay, well, that's fine, I guess. <laughs> that was stupid, and I've yeah. forgotten about it. You're I'm saying so, it right now, and I've already so, forgotten about it. It was so stupid, my brain just shit it out, because it didn't even fucking want to take up the space. It went, you know what? Let's just copy-paste fourth-grade algebra and just keep it here twice. Because I'd rather fill that space with that than whatever this nonsense is that's wasting our time in 1998. <laughs> I think that's all that can be said about uh, Return to Zombie Island. So, uh... Well, it, it certainly is not good, it's not funny, and it does not accomplish the same goal as the original. It is certainly not a return to form or introducing a positive Scooby-Doo to a new generation. It does none of those things, and it's just a mean pile of shit. <laughs> so two Scooby-Doo movies that uh, fail on, on all Again, points. The Impossible. If you had asked me before this episode if I would be thrilled to be reviewing Scooby-Doo films, I would say, hell yes. <laughs> hell yes. The fucking one, the Scooby-Doo movie where he, he they, they hang out with the Globetrotters or the Addams Family, or the one where he fucking... Uh, Casey Kasem has to pull double duty because he's got to be Shaggy and he's got to be Robin because Batman and Robin chill out with them. Right. Hell yes. Those Hell are great. Yes. The goddamn cyber chase. Oh, fantastic. Sure. Then I sit down and watch these two piles of shit and I'm like, was Scooby-Doo ever good? Was there even, was there a point that this was even enjoyable or was this always just a dumb pile of shit? And on that note, let's take this, a break. This, these movies sucked and you sucked for liking them. All right, yeah, yeah. All right, and then so, um, yeah, three, two, and one. Okay, go. So, like, when we were filming Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers, it was a terrible experience overall. I mean, they were terrible actors. They weren't even real ghosts, and the concept of the whole thing fell apart, and there were a lot of hardcore scenes that we filmed with me and Daisy May, but, you know, they had to cut them because it was 1987, and, uh... Like, you know, the producers, they, they couldn't buy it, man. They weren't into what we really wanted to do. Tia, hey. What's it? Tia, hey, what are you yeah, doing? What, no, what's up? I, well, we said we were doing like a shaggy bit, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. We as an I. I was going to do the shaggy. What are you doing? No, you said you said do that shaggy thing you, you, you really are good at. You said, you said <laughs> maybe, do that good shaggy voice. Maybe, maybe ironically, maybe I said that in jest. But <laughs> ironically, not, yeah, okay. What? Oh, really? Okay. Well, what, what were you doing? Like, oh, I'm Shaggy. I'm Matthew Lillard. You okay? Your mocking impression of me doing Shaggy was your actual impression of Shaggy. Whoa, That's not whoa, fair. whoa! Hey, not... hang on. Okay. Well, I told you that you needed to be Fred because you can't do voices. That's what I said. This is the one voice I can do. Okay. I, all right. You know what, Fred. man? I think you're being a real stick in the mud here. You're being Morty from Rick and Morty. All of your voices are Morty. What are you talking you about? You know what, man? Did, Shaggy didn't say you know what, man, a lot. Okay, that's that was his what? catchphrase. His catchphrase was zoinks. Where are you? <laughs> what does that even mean? Okay, 
okay, his catchphrase was Jinkies, as I recall. <laughs> his his catchphrase was Ruby Ruby Roo, and we both know that to be true. His catchphrase was Yabba Dabba Doo. His and catchphrase a big banana was too. his catchphrase was what the fuck was the was the mom and the Jetsons? She said she said dinner's ready. I don't know. <laughs> oh man, I my voice is my shaggy voice is better, man. You're now he's southern. Why is shaggy no, getting on, southern? Come on, come on, yeah, yeah, come on. Okay, all right, prove all right, it, prove it to me. Give come me something on. to say. Give me something to say. Uh, say, uh, oh my God, Scooby, that feels so good. Don't stop. Why would I say that? That's <laughs> say incriminating it. against me. You say it. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> like, wow, Scooby, that feels so good. See, that's right, fucking it's not, A plus. It's not bad. Wow, well, Scooby. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my God, oh, Rick, what are we there wasn't even a Rick on the show. God damn you and your Morty impression. That's all you do. Whatever, whatever, man. Sorry you can't handle my... I'm sorry you can't handle my Neutron style. I'm out of here, man. I don't even know what that means. This is, this is a ruin. Thank whatever, you. Scooby. I'm out of here, bro. <laughs> he didn't say... Shaggy never said bro. This is done. I'm leaving. Goodbye. All right, fine. That's, uh... Mm. So after that very insightful uh, deep dive, let's uh, let's try to fix these two films. So I think the most obvious thing, if we were to start with Boo Brothers, is that you know, and this is without a shred of irony, is that you you factor you you take the Boo Brothers and you make them an actual relevant pop culture or yeah. comedy icon, and you actually get the voice. So, if you made it right now, if you made a Scooby-Doo and the return to the Boo Brothers, that all it's all about how the Boo Brothers sucks, which, and this time it'd be right, um, it would be like Seth Rogen would come out mm. of the phone, and he'd be like, hey, Scooby, <laughs> you know, and, and that would, and it'd be a lot of, like, pot jokes, and, you know, now, would that, you that's do, what it would be. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get the, you wouldn't go, like, full modern day animated feature where instead of like getting talented voice actors, we're just going to get random celebrities and you wouldn't just get like the Jonas brothers to be the boo brothers. You probably would. Um, yeah, you probably get the Jonas brothers. I honestly thought that you're the best idea you had was just to make a triple X parody of the boo brothers and called the boo brubbers. I hate that you said that out loud. Like I, <laughs> I agree. But I hate that it like hit, hit my eardrums like that. I don't like that. It's gonna stick with you. You're gonna yeah. hear that right before you go to sleep tonight. Yeah, exactly. It's because I'm gonna whisper in your ear <laughs> <laughs> right before you tuck me in. Yeah, it's gonna be that's very right. uncomfortable. Kiss you on the forehead. That's uh, right. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't know. Okay, so hold on. How do we fix this? So yeah, you're absolutely right. Making the Boo Brothers actually like mean something and not just be like more noise and distraction would help. Uh, get rid of the gorilla. Get rid of the bear come up with a better goddamn reveal than it's the sheriff's evil twin brother. I want there to be an episode of Scooby-Doo where they pull the mask off and like it's it's Fred or it's Shaggy. Um, but they're standing there in the room with them. So wait, are and... you suggesting... Oh, I thought you were suggesting it's like Scream where it's like, 
oh no, it was them the whole time. Like, oh yeah, no, well that would be good too. Yeah, like it's like they're like, they're my so good. Parents are it. gonna be so mad at me. Like you could just bring it back full circle. <laughs> no, exactly. That would be great. Um, I think the real way that you fix Boo Brothers is that you have an unlimited amount of Boo Brothers. It's not just three of them. And every single one of them is based on a really old, tired comedy routine that kids don't find funny anymore. Okay. Now that that has potential. So you've got like the Rodney Dangerfield ghost. You've got like, uh, you've got like a, like a Bob Newhart ghost. Yeah. You've got like a, a Bobcat Goldthwait, like right when he started like that ghost. Um, you've got a Bill Cosby ghost because you've got to have Bill Cosby. Uh, he's got to be in there because he's going to take care of Sadie Mae Hawkins. That's true. He's going to make sure that she gets, you know, pleasured. Oh my God. You didn't have to say that part. We got it. (laughs) You said it anyway. No, you don't understand. Let me, (laughs) let me me send you some links. Um, (laughs) to really illustrate my point. Um, (laughs) and I do mean illustrate. I think the scavenger hunt element wasn't, isn't inherently bad. Mm-hmm. It's a little trite, but you could get away with it, especially if there was a way to, like... If you made the Boo Brothers now, the scavenger hunt thing would be, like, some kind of app-related thing. Like, you'd be able to follow <laughs> along with your phone and yeah. try to solve the mystery in real time or some shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, what, if the Boo- like- what if the Boo Brothers, since they came out of the phone, what if they were the, the like, the ring ghosts or the grudge ghosts? Like, that's what was spooking them. So then you've got this dichotomy... Of like, oh hey, here's this robot horse that just goes nay nay and has a a dummy headless horseman on it, and then also here's a terrifying Japanese ghost spirit, this vengeful spirit <laughs> that wants to break Scooby and Scrappy Doo's neck and make Shaggy watch. Like that's quite a dichotomy. <laughs> I agree. Um, I think you know. I think a way to really uh, capitalize on this film is you take a very small element of it, but a memorable element nonetheless, and you make a whole uh, pay-per-view um, Shaggy or excuse me, Scrappy's How to Fuck course. Okay. Um, where it's just it's just like Scrappy in a leather jacket, like talking to all these incels who bought the course and being like, "Now let me tell you." Let me at them. Let me at all those bitches over there. Let me at them. Let me um, neg them. I think that would be, yeah. Well, I was actually thinking if you wanted to really uh, shock a lot of kids watching in that era, then uh, as soon as you introduce Daisy May's cousin, brother, husband, whoever that is, that have him just accidentally shoot somebody dead, like right upon introduction. Like he shoots the fake sheriff and kills him. And oh, he's like, yeah. And he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life. <laughs> and then Shaggy's like, Soinks, man, you really killed him. He's like, yeah. And now we're all in this now. It's a pact. It's like, oh, God. And then it turns into, I know you what you did last summer. Right, exactly. So we're just referencing all the 90s horror movies with this, uh, with this fix that we're doing here. Well, then it's... it's also the others, because the Boo Brothers are like, we have to tell somebody that this fucking guy shot them and killed them. But, like, they're existing on a different plane. They can't interact with people in our world. Mm-hmm. So they're just trapped like that forever. Maybe the reason why uh, Sadie Mae's brother with the gun is so um, 
is so angry towards Shaggy is that he's he's like the neighbor from American Beauty and he's just got a lot of like self hatred for being in the closet and he wants to fuck Shaggy so bad. Okay, all right. And so he That's and so he's going to come and and kiss Shaggy and Shaggy's going to be like, "Whoa, you got the wrong idea, man." And then uh, he's going to kill him. He's right, going to kill Shaggy. So I think that would be good. That's, there's options here. There's real options. There's, there's quite a few options, I would say. What you if know, that's what thing. if when when Shaggy picks up the phone to call the Boo Brothers and introduce mm-hmm. them, what if instead he accidentally calls nine seven six evil and the phone <laughs> electrocutes him and then he flies, he farts and flies backwards <laughs> and he says ow and he says owie 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 <laughs> as he gets thrown backwards. Did you notice how uh, in that bit where? Uh, they're in the hole, and the skeleton appears and yes. says, "Like, ah, fuck you! You're in the hole now." <laughs> and, and Scooby and Scrappy says something like, oh, "Well, get out of here, bonehead, or whatever." And the skeleton screams, not because of the slam he just got from Scrappy. <laughs> he but doesn't go, "Oh, this gorilla. tiny puppy just <laughs> fucked my whole world up. I need therapy now." <laughs> he doesn't say that. But the scream that he does is not a scream of fear. It is like a... <laughs> Which is weird it's because so... he gets freaked out because of the stupid gorilla that shows yeah. up. Yeah, But yeah, it's not like a fear. Like, oh shit, it's a gorilla. He just... <laughs> now you infernal snoops, throw up that jeweled brooch and that scroll or I'll... Or you do what, bonehead? Ugh, let me out of here. It's be, it's because I think they directed him like, oh, it should be a scream that could maybe be interpreted as you're reacting to getting slammed by, to getting dunked on by Scrappy-Doo. <laughs> or um, you see a gorilla. Or you see a gorilla. So can you hit me with something right in the middle? And he's like... Ooh, that was pretty good. There's a gorilla. Goodbye. Yeah, exactly. Now he's just becoming Mario. Um, so those are all... Those- I think Mario should have been in this you, movie. <laughs> the scrappy dog just dunked on you pretty hard, and there's a gorilla coming. Can you hit us with a reaction? Yahoo! That's not good at all. That's we're gonna need you to no, do, that do, again. do the the noise he makes when he does the triple jump. Okay, that's what we need. <laughs> that's really the key here. So uh, okay, so right. kind of there's some potential fixes. There's there. some potential. I think we got some good. You know, uh, some of these some of these fix your film segments. I mean, you're not gonna get a finished product. You know, yeah, sometimes gotta, just kind of spitballing you know, zach and i gotta workshop it a little more off yeah. mic but anyway so, so return to zombie island i think you keep all of the elements that just take a big shit on one of my favorite <laughs> animated movies ever and tell me that i'm stupid for liking it i love all of those elements so i keep think those for sure the fact that they walk back that the director is the villain is the wrong move like the director is like, yes, I lied. I set up this elaborate scheme to get you all on this island to film you without your consent to make this film and try to make money off you. And now that shit's getting real and you guys want to leave like responsible people would, I burned the getaway boat. So now we're all stuck here. Oh, but I'm not the bad guy, by the way. It's the people of color from the beginning of the movie. They're the bad guys. I'm going to take the money and leave. No, he should have been like, you know what? I was going to try to make a found footage movie, but the real money's in snuff films. And then it becomes like that kind of thing. A Serbian film, yeah. Right. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I agree with that entirely. I think that would be a, a fantastic concept. I think you essentially make him the director from Courage the Cowardly Dog. Exactly. And it's just like, you know, oh, we're going to get this shot no matter what. Yeah. You know, and then it's like, and then it gets real fucked up. I mean, like the stuff they make Daphne and Velma do. It's... And the gorilla from Boo Brothers. <laughs> they bring in the gorilla from Boo Brothers. And he's crying the whole time. <laughs> like, he's um, like, here's an old he's... friend you might have remembered. They're like, what the fuck are you even talking about? Oh, Shaggy knows all about it. Like, oh, yeah, kind of. He remembers. Look he at him. Look at the look in his eyes. He remembers what this gorilla can do. Exactly. Those big fingers. <laughs> exactly. And the gorilla's signing the whole time for help. Just yeah, please, but there's no help. Please help me. There's, it's not they coming. burn the boat. Absolutely. The, the boat's gone. Um, no, this is good. You're really on to something here. Um, <clears throat> I think it would have been great, too, is that at the end of the movie, Elvira showed back up and was like, hey, this really sucked ass. I'm sorry. Like, I'm glad they she animated does. it. does. Like, she's like, appears in the credits for a minute and is like, really? But it seemed to be, again, it was just kind of like dunking on Zombie Island. And it was like, wow, zombies, huh? Yeah, real clever. It's like, well, in 1998, it was actually fine still. Yeah. Like, Shaun of the Dead hadn't come out yet to be like, hey, aren't zombies lame? Like, it was okay. Right. Um, yeah. Um, so let's uh, expand on your evil director concept a little okay. bit here. So um, is he, do we get like a famous director to voice him? Do we get like Tarantino to come oh, in? Oh, it's got to like, be Tarantino. Is it's got to be. be. So now that's, so obviously now we know that like half of our budget is going to be uh, just feet shots of Daphne and Velma. Yeah, exactly. And the other half is going to be getting white people to say the N-word, I think. Is, <laughs> right, so, those are the two. That's how you make so a Tarantino we're, we're Obviously, we're bumping up the rating significantly to this right. film. This is no longer a G or PG well, the, film. Well, the movie's clearly comfortable with it. The only characters of color are the villains in the movie, and they're in two scenes. Clearly, this is not that big a stretch. That's true. Yeah, no, this is definitely a, a Trump's America sort of, uh, sort of Scooby-Doo film, I would say. Now, here's the thing. You introduce the the director being evil towards, like, the halfway point of the movie. And then, like, there's horrific shit and awful footage. And then the last third is it goes full cannibal holocaust with it. And it's like the director's in court. And now he's got to try to prove that it was fake. And it's not. And, like, well, where's the dog? You know, Scooby hasn't been seen since. Like... Where do you prove that the dog's okay and that there were no animals harmed? And, like, where's the goddamn gorilla? Like, and why why won't Shaggy come out of his house? Why is he a hermit now? Like, you you explore, like, the consequences of doing such a thing. Right. No, I, I yeah, no, I absolutely think that that's the third act that this needed um, for sure. Because if you want to really... do the meta, that's the yeah. meta. The yeah. meta is not, oh, we're doing a shallow sequel. The meta is, we made a film horrific shit happened and now right. there's consequences in real life right there for sure needed to be like a long legal battle at the end right. of the film like a really long like there would be a lot of respite i mean it essentially the end of the movie turns into 12 angry men right um i would say and th i mean that's how you that's really how you pull off a good scooby-doo movie i think that's right. that's perfect you need the quiet say. parts and the quiet parts include <laughs> sending a man to jail 
<laughs> putting a man behind bars for the rest of his life. Possibly murdering a gorilla and definitely a dog. <laughs> for the acts that he uh, filmed and that have scarred people for the rest of their lives. There you go. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Wow, wow. Talk about two fixed films. Holy moly. You know it's, it's, it's an episode of Frightful Failures when I completely have to rethink my support or enjoyment of a thing that I thought I loved for a very long time. That's all I like to do on this show. I mean, anytime we talk about like, hey, what are we going to do for the next episode? I think like, what's something Zach really likes? I'd like to, I like to make him not like that anymore. Right. Well, mission accomplished, my friend. You really did a number this episode. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that. Um, beautiful. Let's talk about uh, what do we plug in here this week, my friend? Uh, so obviously keep your eyeballs on uh, fullygimmick.com for merchandising needs. Uh, also, we are in the works of uh, creating and posting some new uh, video content for Frightful Failures, uh, as well as some potential reviews and things along those lines. Once I grow my facial hair back, because I look like a potato with a porno stash, and it's not good. <laughs> so I have to grow my facial hair back, and then you'll see some more videos of me coming down the pipeline. Yeah, um, that's how you know Zach wants to put off shooting something. Is he's like, just, oh, well, no, I can. I just oh, I shaved it all off. Well, why'd you do that? But why does anyone do anything? Yeah, you know, because like we're mystery a, of life. We're in a pandemic and everything's on fire. Uh, <laughs> so until then, make sure you're following us on all social media platforms. Share our, you know, uh, our name. Put put our name in your mouth. That's what kids say, right? No. Yeah, uh, I think so. And make, make us sure, a may <laughs> Make us a may may. Uh, and tell all your friends, force them to listen to it. They've got nothing better to do right now. That's and true. So, this is the time to listen to us and get right. your friends to listen to us. And if you've got movie suggestions, please let us know. If we you want to uh, ask us any questions like what them hogs do, please send mm -hmm. that our way. Uh, so, of course, on behalf of everyone here, on behalf of Tian Guignol, I'm Zach Romero. Thank you so much for listening to Frightful Figures and continue circulating the tapes.